All right, we're back on the fan. Morning show, Sports on 590. Fan, it's Monday. It's the first day of spring. we got the shorts guys in the text line. Neil from Whippy says, last-minute comment on shorts guy, too cool to be cold. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Us shorts guys. Too cool to be cold. Too cool to be cold. Tiff in Kitchener says, you won't be seeing me in shorts till it's 25 degrees. Maybe I need to get a leg tat. I don't feel like it's a, a move in the female community as much. I would agree with that as a member of the female community. I don't know why. I don't know what you have against hoodie and shorts. It's not for me. It's uh, not for you guys. All of you. Dave and Barry says, as a bigger guy, I can say the shorts are a form of temperature regulation. I'm a solid eight months of shorts. There's a different, po- <laughs> different point there. It, it does help. I mean, that I think that's the beauty of the hoodie and shorts. Is you, get you can both. You get both. You get both. You get a little breeze to chill you, and like then a, you're it's like a cuddled two, up on top. Two-part thermoregulation system. Like, you're keeping warm up top, but you're Good keeping you things. Get back guy. There you go. Uh, somebody says, I saw a Robin on Friday. Spring has sprung. That's lovely. So, saw Ron? A Robin. Oh. I'm a like, bird? I'm like, oh, Ron. Ron McLean. Ron only uh, pops his head out in spring. <laughs> He's like. Hibernates the, during the winter. The groundhog. Yeah, exactly. Wyerton Willie, yep. who we've spoken about many times on the show. faded Wyerton Willie. <laughs> we did. Uh, we're waiting to get Grange on the phone, so uh, we could talk a little. We're looking at the lines for the World Baseball Classic tonight. So Japan and Mexico. Now, I just went through all the previous scores during the break, and they have, like, you know the runs are coming through. Like, it is just run after run. Last night, USA 14-2, USA 9-7. Puerto Rico, Mexico, 5-4, 9-3. Like, every score basically has been an over. But today, the over set at 8.5, and, and it's plus money and over. I don't know if the, they're, like, they're teasing. They're getting me excited to press the over button. It's Japan, I'm telling you. The over has been the nuts, for sure. You're playing the overs, you're having a good time watching the baseball, uh, World Baseball Classic, that's for sure. But we also haven't seen a lot of Japan because they've been on the other side We've of the world. We've seen none of Japan. And they've been playing inferior competition. They haven't played the likes of a Mexico or a Venezuela mm-hmm. or a Cuba yet. They haven't dealt with th- this pool, this side of the bracket, the entire way. Beat up on Italy, beat up on Korea, beat up on yeah. a couple other teams. We just don't China know. 8-1. Uh, like it feels like it could be an 8-1. 13-4 against Korea. 10-2 against the Czech Republic. I just don't know what the Japanese are going to bring to this, this tournament 7-1 against here. Australia. And, and all we, these teams have been playing, it seems like, every night because they started late. Mm-hmm. And Japan's coming over. And I just don't know what they're going to bring. It feels like it should be the over. The last game, 9-3 over Italy. Like, it's very tempting, Justin. And Mexico, and, and you said that, uh, you say Kikuchi, or Kikuchi. Uh, who's pitching? We don't know who's pitching. I don't think it's Shohei. I don't think okay. Shohei is going to be on the mound again. I think so, I read that he was maybe available in relief in the final. Okay, so maybe he can get some runs still. I don't know. No one sent in any World Baseball picks today for the uh, Wake and Rake, so I might have to go with it. Plus money on the over. Could be there. That is the game tonight. I, I kind of want that to be part of our parlay. Um, Frank from Little Britain says, I can't wear shorts. The last time you saw legs like mine, they were hanging out of a nest. I <laughs> like bird legs, I think, is where he's going. Okay. Chicken legs? Chicken legs. Well, you got to chi- mix in leg day. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're waiting to get Grange. Just uh, He's not joining us right now. You want to start into a little Raptors? Hopefully he can join us. Yeah. 
So you wanted to start with the Shea Gilgis Alexander. We talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit last week. Another 40 piece over the weekend in a win over the Phoenix Suns. Like this guy, maybe inspired by Grange's article, maybe inspired by Steve Nash's support just a little bit. I mean, but, how could you uh, not be? This is a true legend saying that you could be and probably will have a chance to be just as good as him or better. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, th- and those words meaning a lot, I would say. The support meaning a lot. Uh, I don't think that's driving him necessarily in game, but something that he can continue to strive for uh, as he continues to like cement and carve out a big spot in the NBA. And hopefully it's a big summer and it continues to be, uh, you know, big, big tournaments and big performances for Canada when he gets back on the world stage. Because in addition to, hey, starring in the NBA, he is stepping up in a major way internationally for this country as well, or has been uh, to this point. So all that's good stuff. But if we're going to be without Grange for at least a second here, we should probably talk about the Raptors again. Mm-hmm. Raptors sort of, you know, disappointing a little bit last night in Milwaukee. A tough game, though, a scheduled loss, as you put it, second half of a back-to-back in Milwaukee. Really tough. I mean, Brooke Lopez just kind of took over late in that game. They did enough to bottle up. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo for a lot of the game, OG Ananobi doing brilliant work again on a superstar in this league. Another great sign, him and Fred Van Vliet playing so, so well of late. But it feels like there's signs that this team is tur- has turned the corner, right? So, like, if we go through the timeline, like, desperation before the deadline, we're, we're talking about them being, you know... Uh, selling off assets, reaching the lowest point, maybe the lowest point in Masai Ujiri's tenure, really bad stuff leading, and a lot of, like, angst, I think, too, that it was affecting the team. Uh, and then they get Pirtle. They surprise us with Pirtle. Pirtle comes in and plays really well, but Pascal dips, and now it seems like everyone's sort of solidified a little bit. And we well, I hope- think it's led by Fred Van Vliet, too. And I think that the Pirtle impact on Fred mm-hmm. has been maybe one of the ones that we didn't expect. Like, I think we expected it for Pascal. Like he's, and they're buddies he's logging too. way too much. They're buddies. He's going to be happy. It's someone that can take some of the load off. And that's really, really important stuff. Uh, but now you worry that the Scotty Barnes injury, if there is an injury, doesn't sort of undo some of the progress that it seems they've made over the last couple of weeks. And we do have Grange on now. Uh, so we'll ask you about that. And maybe we'll sh- save the Shea Gilgis-Alexander conversation till the end. Is there signs here, signs here for the Raptors now that things, the dust is settled from the deadline and they'd be able to sort of get back into the regular season that things are turning up and that they may be able to make something of this season? Oh, I think so. I mean, um, you know, even on that, that West Coast trip, they, you know, they lost the three games, but, you know, they lost in a really good opponent on the road. Um, each of those teams were playing pretty well at that time. And, each, you know, for the most part, those games are very competitive. And even if you kind of dig a little deeper, you know, the people, the lineups you'd have on the floor for the vast bulk of the minutes in a playoff game were all, as we know, very good. Like the Toronto, the Raptors starting lineup with Jakob Pertl has been one of the best in the league. And, um, you know, so I think that's really encouraging. Um, so, I, I, you know, where it gets them, it's it's hard to know, right? Like, I mean, you know, let's just say they end up in the eighth seed and it's them, Miami. Yeah, they could win those. They could win that. They end up in the seventh seed and they end up, you know, with against Philly or Boston. I mean, I don't know. Like, I I, I wouldn't. They would definitely be a, a, a deep underdog. But you know, when the dust would all settle, 
Um, and they lost in six games to Boston in the first round playoff series as a seven seed after being, you know, would, would you say that was a huge step back from a year ago? I mean, probably not. Um, and so you could probably look at the whole set of circumstances and go, you know, it's been an okay year, right? It's just, it's just took a, taken a long time to get to that point. We are talking to our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom and visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Michael Grange sports that NBA columnist and insider. So Justin and I were saying there's some, a lot of positives to take from this weekend, even though they, they split the the weekend with the box as well. Um, a team that's coming in red hot, of course, one of the best teams in the NBA. But if we're talking about things turning around since this road trip, for us, I think it starts with Fred Van Vliet um, showing that leadership. Obviously, he was on the podium and he talked a lot of talk, but then he ended up, you know, putting that performance together when coming home. Um, what have you seen different in the way that Fred has been leading this team, both offensively, both as a distributor, um, and maybe just the overall vibes that have shifted with him putting together some good performances? I mean, it really just starts with just that, him playing better. And I think for Fred to be as effective as he can be, you know, he needs to be a really uh, lethal threat from deep. And uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know there's been a real turnaround from that, you know, that first half of the season when there was so much fretting going on, you know, he was in that 31, 32% field goal range. I mean, that's just not acceptable at the volume he shoots. It's just not good enough. And, you know, just on a pure math equation, if, you know, you've got a guy taking a, big majority of your field goals are, you know, a lot of them, right? And and you're just not converting, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle. And, and uh, you know, probably going back a month, I could probably say you go back even two months. He's been much more reminiscent of the player who was an all-star a year ago. And it's, and, you know, he called a shot. He said he was going to get back to that, and he has. And then I think the second factor is the addition of Jakob Pertl gives – him, um, uh, the team in general, but I think him gives him another outlet in terms of, you know, where to go offensively when things get a little clogged. You just, you know, call Jakob up and you end up in a pick and roll and it's either going to, you know, Jakob's a very good screener. So he has been getting better looks just off those screens, but it also gives him a chance to um, kind of toggle in the mid range there, find passes to Jakob on the roll. If not, you know, you you know, you can get some pretty good looks for for Fred in the mid range, which I think are are looks that he gravitated to a lot last year and pretty successfully. So, I just think the combination of him just rounding into form—we don't know if it was physically or whatever it might have been—but there's a lot of as he, you know, to quote him at one point, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, some of that seems to have dissipated. And the addition of of a guy he really has a chemistry with. In a, in a traditional center role, it seemed to really help. Maybe it's dad's strength 3.0 this time. <laughs> it could be. You know, I mean, uh, there's a look like we just don't know exactly what's going on in, in all these players' lives. I mean, we just never will. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's people in the audience who could relate to, you know, having two little ones and, another, you know, another one coming and, you know, it's just a lot of stuff, a lot of dynamics, and that you know, it's not wouldn't be unusual for that to flow into your work life here and there. I mean, that's uh, you know, as they say, they're all they are human, and those are very human things. So, yeah, uh, you know, you have a nice healthy baby, he had a nice break around All Star, and I did talk to him um, 
you know, like, you know, one of the road games, and he had just come back from that break, and he felt. He said, he said, I felt really refreshed. It was fun to come to the to the arena. It was you were looking forward to practice, just having had that time at home, and it kind of makes you appreciate uh, the opportunity to come to work a little bit too. Yeah, we're talking about like the the beneficiaries of Pirtle, uh, and maybe it changed something about the way that they played. But like Fred was openly like sort of. I wouldn't say complaining, but like the off-ball duties to start the year, maybe it didn't really suit him, and maybe Pirtle being around just forces him to handle the ball a little bit more, and Pirtle can't put the ball into the hoop for him, but it seems like just that more involved version of Fred is a benefit on both sides of the offensive equation, being distributing the basketball and, of course, shooting it as well. Do you think just like more touches helps a guy like Fred, if there have been more touches? Yeah, I haven't looked into his usage numbers if they're up a little bit, but um, I suspect they might be because some other guys are down. Um, I just think it's it's not even just the volume of touches uh, because, you know, pounding the ball into a set defense over and over again is no fun. I think it's just a variety, right? And, and I you know, Fred Van Vliet off the ball is still a great option for this team. I think we saw a little bit last night with uh, Pascal Siakam, who's – He's kind of struggled at times to find himself in this new arrangement, you know, running pick and roll with with Van Lee, with uh, Pirtle uh, down the stretch, and I thought that was really effective at times. And I think that's a look the Raptors need to go to more to engage, make sure that Siakam is engaged because he's too good to be a you know a spectator. And so in those scenarios, and you have Fred, Fred who is probably your best three point shooter. You know, when he's spotting up out of those situations, kind of stretching the defense, being accounted for, I think that could be really positive. So it's just a, it's just a variety. It gives Nick Nurse, ideally, a variety of options um, that he can employ, you know, down the guts of a game. And it gives Fred, you know, different a different range of touches and looks that he can go to, you know, early in the game to get going, to get into pick and rolls and get some quick early baskets or you know, late clock situation. So more players generally translates into more good opportunities for those players. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen uh, the kind of compounding effect of, effect of that um, over the past, uh, let's say, month. Uh, Fred's been outstanding, but you can make the argument that OG and Anobi has been the hottest Raptor over the last little while here, uh, running the gamut of superstars and shutting them down. Yeah, Giannis went nine for nine, but he only shot nine times. Uh, last night and of course he's been hitting his threes at a really really uh, impressive rate uh, over the last little bit here are are you at all surprised that he seemed to respond really really well since all the trade deadline noise and ultimately the non-movement at the deadline for OG Ananobi no not at all like I mean I I, as much as there was talk about Ananobi being traded my my sense is it was never about him wanting to be traded. <laughs> it was, you know, driven by the, the market demand for what he does. And, you know, from a Raptors' point of view, going, well, if we are going to make a change, you know, he's, because of the demand, he'd be the most impactful. He'd be the way we could, we could kind of turn two into three kind of thing. And, you know, but I think the only frustration and Anobi's ever had, to the extent he has had it, is just wanting to to make sure he's grow has an opportunity to grow in his role and grow in his game, uh, and and expand that role and expand that game because that generally translates into more money. <laughs> so 
Um, you know, so I think a lot of that stuff is kind of overblown in terms of whatever tension. It's just a very natural. It's just the way the NBA works. Like it just is. It's uh, you know, guys. There's guys want and need and should want and need to grow and expand because that's where the opportunities are. So um, I think the bigger factor in him coming back and, and playing so well is catching his rhythm again after having a, you know, a pretty painful wrist injury. Like, you know, uh, if you recall, you know, when he went and got and then took that fall against Golden State, like I was on the road for that. And, and like, it was a, like, it was a devastating fall. Like he was very lucky it was just a sprained wrist. Like it could have been five different injuries. All of them could have put him up for the season. So, um, so I think it took time. I remember even when he came back, like I talked to him a couple of times and he'd, he'd have a stumble and you could just see him kind of favoring it on the way up or sorry, getting up off the floor again and he'd be flexing it and things like that. So I think it, there was, he was out for a while. It took a while for him to get back up to speed. And, you know, what we're seeing is what we've been kind of waiting for for OG. If you go through his, you know, his seasons month by month, he, there's generally at least one month and in a good season, there'll be like two months where he can't miss from three. Like he, Mm -hmm. he, uh, everything. And and what's happened touch wood in the past is he kind of gets on these rolls and then that's when he strains a calf or that's when, you know, gets some other kind of knickknack injury and he's out and, and it takes a while to build up to it again. So, um, you don't expect the guy to hit whatever he's hitting, like 55 or 60% of his threes. Um, that's probably uh, unsustainable. But we've seen him get on these rolls before. It's a bit of a, of, uh, you know, a trademark for him. And the Raptors are really lucky it's happening now when they need it most. Yeah, OG shooting 50% or better from three in seven straight games. So tied for the second longest streak of his career. It's a good time to get hot, as you mentioned. And uh, another stat that came across our timeline that I wonder if you think is is meaningless or there's something to glean from it is they've had a different leading scorer in eight of the last nine games for the Toronto Raptors um, in terms of being able to shoulder the load and finding some depth, I guess, um, from the starters in the bench. How important is continuing a stat like that if they're going to try to make a run here into the play-in? I think I think it's uh, it speaks well, um, and you know I think it's almost like a, a sign of a team that's uh, beginning to hit on, on all cylinders, and that you know it really is about exploiting the best opportunity for the offense against whatever the defense is trying to take away. It's about going to players who are you know, having the best night, the best opportunities on a given night. And and so I think when you try and force your offense through one guy over and over again, well, I would argue, first of all, the Raptors don't have that guy. <laughs> you know, I think if the Milwaukee Bucks had Giannis lead them in scoring for nine straight games, mm-hmm. everyone would be, yeah, sure, that's great. Makes sense. Um, I don't know if the Raptors have that one player that you can kind of uh, expect or would want even to do that over and over and over again. So, um, I, yeah, I think that's a kind of a meaningful stat. It suggests that you're healthy, that you've got your key guys available, and that the ball's finding the right people as it, as it should. So uh, the most important thing, I guess, from last night is Scotty Barnes exiting with an injury. I guess the thing that could weigh the heaviest, Scotty Barnes leaving with an injury uh, in the loss to Milwaukee. Uh, it forces a couple things. It forces Preston Sachua back into the front court, playing a little bit more after a DND in only three minutes against the T-Wolves. 
and it really exposed the guard depth. Unfortunately, to start the fourth quarter, it seemed like Will Barton just couldn't give them the minutes that they needed uh, for them to, you know, start on the front foot at least uh, in a critical moment there in the fourth versus Milwaukee. Uh, but long term, if Scotty, I don't know, well, you could you could let us know if you know anything about Scotty Barnes's injury status as it is. Um, but is that something they can overcome here? If there's a little bit of an injury, uh, a little bit of an absence, rather, uh, how much of an impact does that have on what the Raptors are trying to accomplish here in the short term, whether it's to improve their standing or just to make sure that they can get in and maybe host the first playing game at the in the nine hole? <laughs> um, I think short term, it's okay, right? Like you never want to be without a player of his impact, but... Um, you know, part of the challenges the Raptors have is making sure there's enough food on the same plate for Ananobi, for Siakam, for, um, in, you know, at times the Chua. And, and so it kind of clarifies uh, roles, you know, in the very immediate term. So you can get through a game or two with it. I think um, you're very smart to point out that the guard depth issue, <laughs> you know, that, that really lost in the game against, uh, against Milwaukee last night, that, that first you know, five, six minutes of the first quarter, sorry, fourth quarter. Um, so I suspect we'll see Jeff Doughton Jr. back. And, um, you know, and I think they, they've been a little bit hesitant to use him because I think he's only got seven games left on his, before they would have to convert him off his two-way. So, um, you know, that, that this will force their hand in that respect. Um, it could have been happening anyway. And then I think the other good news is, like, Scotty's pretty tough, right? Like, he's shown... You know, he's shown the willingness to uh, kind of play through when he's, you know, he had that kind of streak of sprained ankles early in the season. If you look back at the playoff series against uh, Philly last year, and it looked like his, like I cannot, still can't believe he came back from that after Joel Embiid stepped on his ankle. Um, I got shivers just looking at that, re- thinking of that replay. But uh, anyway, so um, you know, so I, 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 I would be optimistic it's his left wrist not his right wrist so at the very least if he's got to be out a little bit i mean he can certainly kind of keep his skills relatively sharp and it's certainly his fitness up so um and again i think he's had it wrapped i think he's been playing with it and so if it's determined that it's it's just a sprain and not not something that's you know really um you know something that's going to get worse if as he uses it um hopefully he won't be out for for more than a game or two, if at all. Yeah, fingers but crossed. I, I'm, I'm just speculating. <laughs> I, I don't know anything specific. Uh, that makes sense. You're not a doctor. <laughs> Try your best. But, um, okay, Michael, uh, last one before we let you go. I want to ask you about that Shea article because it was great, and uh, I know it got a lot of traction online, deservingly so, even from Steve Nash himself. So you wrote about maybe the potential of Shea being um, – a Steve Nash-esque in his career. I wonder when, I mean, we got to see him last Thursday night as well here in Toronto. What you learned about writing about um, the young Canadian and his current success in the NBA. And again, he had another big night the other night. So he's continuing to put this together. Um, just what that what that process was like for you. And then, of course, getting the, the retweet from Steve Nash, which is obviously really, you know, I'm sure even in your professional career, a pretty exciting thing. Yeah, it was nice. And, and I think it, says a lot about Steve um, and you know Steve wouldn't have known Shay going back to Shay being an high school student <laughs> right and and he when Steve was still general manager of the Canadian men's team uh, he put uh, Shay Gilgis Alexander and RJ Barrett on the Olympic uh, the 
qualifying tournament team that went to Philippines in 2016 and lost to France. And at the time, it was it was kind of controversial, right? Like it looked like, you know, R.J. Barrett was, you know, they were kind of doing a favor for Rowan Barrett, you know, the dad, and then Shea was even more unknown at that point. And um, it looked like there was even a little bit of politics in terms of trying to curry some favor with Shea and, and club teams and things like this. It was that was what was kind of speculated out there. It was kind of ugly at the time, and. Um, you know, it turned out to be, yeah, guess what? Those guys are really, really, really good. <laughs> they're trying to make sure that they're connected to the program wise by everybody involved. So Steve had a good history with Shea. So I think he's been a big supporter. He's always a supporter of the Canadians. So it was nice to see him recognize to, just to do that. And, um, and in terms of what was interesting as I kind of looked into it was, you know, if you kind of go down a little bit into the advanced stats and things like that, you don't have to go all that far, and just the the impact as a, as a player, as it compared to those those probably those three peak years that Nash had, the two MVP years, and actually the, the third year when he was statistically the most impactful, um, he was second in MVP that third time. You know what Shea's doing this season was absolutely comparable, in some ways surpassed. You know the best that Steve Nash had to offer, and he's doing it at age 24, and that's the real. Thing. I mean, I mean, Steve didn't make All Star. I think till he was uh, 26 years old uh, in his sixth year. So, um, and Shea's doing it two years younger, and you know, a season before, and he's going to be an on on the All NBA team. And no Canadians ever even got a vote for an All NBA team aside from Nash. And it just really, just the way he plays, the position he plays, the size he plays it at. You know, there's, it's almost inconceivable to me that this won't be the start. And so I wanted to flag that for people that, you know, here this guy is, 24 years old, um, that we could be looking at an 8-, 10-, 12-year run of him being an all-star at, at minimum and being, you know, you know, he's probably top six, eight, nine player in the in the league this year. And he would probably be the number one trade asset in the league, if you could imagine, mm-hmm. um, just because of his age. And so because it's an OKC and because, you know, he maybe doesn't have as, as big a profile as some other Canadian guys have coming up because he, he didn't have so much hype when he was young. Um, I think it was just I wanted to make sure people were paying attention as to exactly what was going on here. Maybe there's a day we can dream that he wants to make a return to Toronto or, or to Canada and play uh, here for the Raptors. Wouldn't that be special? <laughs> it would be. And, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's uh, he's under contract and they're obviously got some great stuff happening in OKC. But, uh, you know, you never know. Like You it, never know. <laughs> you never know. And, um uh, one day, you know, when uh, he hits free agency and, you know, if I was the Raptors, I'd be gathering up all my draft assets that I could because one day, uh, you know, you might have a crack. That's right. A uh, girl can dream. We like it. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Grange. Uh, great to chat with you and hopefully get to chat um, in the next week or two. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That's Michael Grange, sports and NBA columnist and insider, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. As we mentioned, the Raptors are about to embark on another really important stretch here. A couple home games that are winnable, um, four in a row, and looks like they could they could win them all. But like you know, maybe they go three or four. They got Pacers, Pistons, 
wizards and heat, of course, the heat, they're nipping at their tail there to to jump over. Um, then they go on a little bit of a lengthier road trip to finish out the season with some tougher opponents like Boston back-to-back and Milwaukee and the Sixers as well. But maybe by that point, those teams have already figured out where they stand and they don't uh, you know, fully play their full lineup and the Raptors can capitalize. Yeah, these next four games are huge. And three of the four are against potential play-in opponents, Miami being maybe the most likely, mm-hmm. but uh, well, Washington actually the most likely if it's 9-10. Uh, but the Pacers could also slide in there as well. So three teams that are in that mix. And I guess the goal is to prove that you are better than them if you get into a play-in, uh, which they're likely going to be in. And I guess they can prove that they're better than them uh, before getting the play-in because this is a great opportunity for them to make some hay, hopefully get into that eight hole and get into a position where they just have to win one game to get into the bracket. That would be a great thing. Extended winners. I'll add Shea Gilgis-Alexander to that. Mm-hmm. 40 points in a 124-120 win over the Phoenix Suns. Those Thunder are exciting. They do, unfortunately, have a good thing going. I don't think they're going to be and they're going to be uh, rushing to trade Shea because there's really no point now that they've actually shown some promise this mm-hmm. year and they are finally building after stockpiling assets for what seemed like forever. I cannot imagine you if Shea was traded to the Toronto Raptors. He's my guy. I think he's, he's everyone's my guy. guy. No, he's but been he's my specifically guy. Specifically yours. You can have you discovered Shay Gilgis yes, Alexander. I, I was with Steve Nash adding were, him to the Olympic uh, qualifier for team. For sure. You were out there scouting. When he, when he was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, you were in the me. gym. Yeah. All right. All credit goes to you. Um, all right. I lost our World Baseball Championship bracket as my teams have no longer qualified for the remainder of the tournament. I've successfully lost, as yes. I put it, which means that our. Pre-tournament bet was that I would have, or the loser would have to eat something of the ancestral diet yes, that Jacob Chikrin has Jake announced. Chikrin. Full so if Jacob you missed Chikrin. that, Jacob Chikrin came out in the media saying that he eats an ancestral diet such as raw liver and beef heart, among other things. And I was so excited that I said, well, we should do that as a bet. And I lost. So I will be eating either raw liver or raw beef heart sometime this week. After Still the undetermined. Show, well, yeah, yeah. It'll after. be you put your be foot past in the ground. Nine a.m. I'm not eating it in the hours before I nine a.m. Like maybe the last minute of the show, you pop it in your mouth. And it's terrible listening I'll take for us the home. listeners. I'll take for us me home. to be eating liver on the air because it might be bad. It could be. It could be disastrous to hear. It could be. So I'll just do <laughs> it off the air, and then we'll film it, and everyone can watch it. Content play, as Justin likes to put it. But I lost the bet fair and square as the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Korea, and Cuba. My four teams did nothing. And the three standing left are all mine. So you Japan, definitely the United win. States, and Mexico. Unless you want to redraft. I do not. I mean, I got <laughs> them all. I can't. Well, I mean, can't. we could just split them up. That's that's okay. Okay. I if lost. it was something that didn't actually horrify me, which the ancestral diet does. It's yeah, actually it's a really rough. good thing that you're doing this because I don't think I could. I yeah, don't you would have chickened out for sure. I you didn't I even want to take the bet. So No, I didn't. And uh, This is why I kind of You kind of. Bit I off more you than you can it. chew here, yeah. literally and figuratively, and uh, now you got to suffer the uh, the ancestral diet, the consequences of the ancestral diet. My bracket is cooked, unlike the food I'll be eating this week. Oh, wake and rake on the other side of the break. The best Blue Jays show out there. Period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! 
Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, so since I had took a big L on the WBC bracket, I deserve to give myself a little praise for my Valspar picks because I You've have... You've successfully given yourself a platform to give four yourself praise. top 10 picks out of my five picks, good. including Jordan Spieth, who blew it You're on the, the 70th hole. And honestly, he was going to win. And I thought, I'm going to go back-to-back outright picks, but I got... Sam Burns, six. Spieth, third. Tie for third. Wyndham Clark, the win boy, fifth. Joel Damon, 61st. But, you know, that was more of a fun pick. And then Nick Taylor, 10th. So, I mean, I did a couple bets on those just, like, to place or top 10. So, I did do some damage. If you did top 10s, you definitely put yourself in good position. That's a great card. But four out of five of my Valspar picks were top 10. That's uh, that's pretty good. I I give myself some praise. Mine were not so great. Not so great at all. Oh, okay. Justin Thomas did get T10, eh? Yeah, he got T10. Okay. That's good. So none of us hit outright, even though it was really close. I'm still up $1,000 to zero. But what do we have this weekend? Uh, I don't know what I know what weekend. it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's, um, uh, isn't it the, shoot. I thought it, it was like head the, to head. I believe it is the Punta Cana Resort and Club no, Championship. that's not what I thought. Never mind. That sounds beautiful. I'd like to go to that. That is uh, not exactly the highest level golf tournament uh, that we're going to pick, but we're going to do picks anyway. Yeah, we, we're going to do it every weekend. It's more fun. Uh, we won't, I won't be here to recap it the next week. But uh, Oh, yeah, so Justin's taking next week off. Yeah. I've already brought Tell it up a couple Tell everyone where you're going. No, 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 no. Huh? I don't, that, you don't have to dox me. Wait, you're going to, no, it's nice. I just disappear. You're going no, on no one knows where I'll be, and I'm just right, off I'll be the somewhere grid, in the world, like Carmen San Diego. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to propose a sh- team bet to you. Not I, th- I think it's match play this week. But I, I don't know how you can bet on that on our... Anyway. Maybe it is. And it's, I'm it just is. on the PJ Tour schedule. It's and it's... Play. Okay, so the Punta Cana Resort Club Championship is for the people that don't make the match play. Well, then we're definitely in on the match yes, play. Yes, of like, course. Without a doubt, we're in on the match play. Okay. Uh, we'll get all our ducks in order we for that. we got some time for that. <laughs> before the end of the week. I do want to pr- propose a team bet, though. I feel like we have to bet Tennessee somehow. I want to Our guy, support Charles Davis in exactly. any way humanly possible. Wearing the, the volunteers orange proudly. He looks so happy. I want to support Charles Davis. I hope he's still going to be there. I hope they keep panning the camera on him cheering for Tennessee, and I hope they do well. So there's two options here. They are favorites right now to win the East region at minus 110. The other teams in their little... Quadron, Kansas State, Michigan State, Florida Atlantic. They play Florida Atlantic in the next round. So minus 110, it's like close to a pick them just to win the next game because I think they should beat Florida Atlantic. That's not, you know, it's not a walk in the park, but they should. They should put themselves in position. They are favorites for a reason. So we do Tennessee minus 110 to win the regional or plus 1100 to win the entire tournament. Do you want to team bet Tennessee? I think I'm going to put our to, money where our mouth is. Any way that I can support Charles Davis, I will. So yes, I'll team bet let's whatever go, you let's want. Let's do to win the whole thing, eleven to one. All right, whatever. <laughs> Stranger yeah. things have happened in this tournament. All right, we're on Tennessee. Okay, we're on Tennessee. Updated odds for the entire March Madness. <laughs> yes, let's two do that. plus four hundred favorites right now: Houston and Alabama. 
Next up is UCLA at 800. They're my team, but I don't like the way they played the first two games. Connecticut, 9-1. to Gonzaga, 10-1. to Creighton, 10-1. to Texas, 11. Tennessee, 11. Kansas State, 22. Michigan State, 22. A couple other long shots there, of course. Uh, the team I was most impressed by, I think, was Alabama, unfortunately. Yeah. They looked really, really good. I'm surprised the number's not a little shorter. I think they were 500 coming into the mm-hmm. tournament, and now they're just down to 400. I guess, you know, the, the, the good teams that they have to get through are still to come here, but a uh, couple options there because it seems a little top-heavy at this point with Houston, Alabama, maybe UConn standing out for me. Uh, UCLA, Gonzaga, Creighton, I'm less impressed by. Um, okay, well, I like I like where we're going with Tennessee. Also, Tennessee women play today against Toledo. Um, they're 14-point favorites. I mean, just I only bet t- Tennessee women, too. Wake and rake opportunity right there. Anything for Charles Davis. Um, okay, so we don't have too much time, so I'm going to give you my wake and rake pick for today's WBC semifinal between Japan and Mexico. We are talking about it, the over 8.5 has now moved to seven and a half, and boom, I'm betting that. Over seven and a half, locked it in. I don't know why it's moved. Uh, it's a lot of juice on it, but I'll take it. Minus You're not a little concerned that the market's moving away from you, The Eilish? market knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'm going to do it because I, I really think this is the game to watch tonight as well. There's no Toronto sports on. I want to see Japan and Mexico. I haven't even seen Japan really at all in this tournament. I've seen a lot of Mexico. Every single game has been a offensive blowout. So I want to see it tonight. It's been... The best viewing experience this past weekend. So let's keep it going. Japan, Mexico over seven and a half will be my pick. Yeah. And just in general, it seems like the the pitching hasn't caught up to the, where the hitting's at at this tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's. Maybe it's just the quality. Like, you know, good on Adam Wainwright. And he was fine last night against Cuba. But like, I'm kind of more confident in the U.S. batters and the batters for, say, Mexico or Venezuela or whomever than some of the pitching that we've seen out there in this tournament. I agree. Japan is like a complete wild card. It seems like it seems like we don't really know how they're going to stack up to the competition that has played on this side uh, of the well, multiple oceans, I suppose. Um, But yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not sure how it'll play out. But this tournament in general, if you've been leaning over, uh, you've been rewarded. Let's give it a go. I think that's a decent spot. I'm also going with an over, but I'm going to the NBA. Okay. Chicago Bulls and Philadelphia 76ers over 224 and a half. Uh, this is kind of a play on Joel Embiid and how he's going to continue to put up numbers. But I think these teams are just primed to play high scoring, high event basketball at this mm-hmm. point. If you look at the recent game logs for both these teams, they're routinely hitting overs. They're routinely in the 115 to 120 point range. We've seen some massive offensive games from the 76ers of late with Joel Embiid going off and Maxi and Harden playing really well as well. Uh, I like this one to go over. I like both offenses to get theirs. And I, you know, most specifically, I like Joel Embiid to get his. Over 48 and a half is his points, rebounds, and assists. I don't think that's a bad look either. Mm -hmm. I went with the whole game, though, um, over that one. Uh, But I think you could go kind of interchangeable on that one. All right. So over 224 and a half in Bulls, Sixers, over seven and a half runs in Japan, Mexico. Now let's go through some of our wake and rake submissions. Lots of them today. Uh, Jeff and Barry, oh, just Jeff and Barry. Vucevic. That always gets yeah, me. I always forget the just. Vucevic over two and a half assists. He'll become a playmaker from the post with Embiid guarding him. 
That's that has a lot of rationale a lot of logic it to it. That's, Jeff. that's pretty good. Uh, Dan from Peterborough, LA Kings on the money line. The Flames like can't seem too. to get it together this season. The Kings seem to be the stronger contender out in the Pacific. Minus one ten seems to be a good price. And they're at home on the Flames. That was one of my favorites as well. Um, but I went with WBC. But I like the the Flames to lose. <laughs> okay. Good morning. My wake and wake pick is Chicago, Colorado over six. That's Chris in Moncton. Uh, this is from Trucker Steve in New- North York. He just wanted to share a baller pol- parlay from last night. Yeah. I'm not sure. He says this hit, but uh, Bruins, Knights, Rangers, Wild, Devils, Blues, Canucks, seven-leg parlay, plus 5,172. Buy yourself some shorts. <laughs> Trucker Steve from North York. He says, well worth the just five bucks. Thanks, man. Eric from Burlington. Good morning. Going with a prop today. I like Matthew Kachuk to get over one and a half points against the Red Wings today. There'll be a lot of scoring. Uh, good morning. This is Ron and Juliana. Uh, today's anchor Sabonis over points, assists, and rebounds, 43 and a half. I saw a comparison to uh, Will Chamberlain. I was going to read from that Sabonis. Same article today. So 43 and a half feels like uh, very reasonable for a guy to doing Wilt things. A Wilt Chamberlain record. So. You don't just break Wilt records. So shout out to Demontis Sabonis. Uh, that's a decent look. Jules likes the over 238, the Warriors Rockets. Good morning. Uh, slow start after a nice March break. Oh, yeah. Happy uh, back to work and school. Pittsburgh versus Ottawa over six and a half. That's buff daddy. Pittsburgh in a rough spot lately. A big uh, big game there for Ottawa. Uh, Mikey's picks from Oakville. Sends pens over six and a half. There's another one. Jari can't stop a beach ball. DeSmith <laughs> isn't much better. Big night for Stutzla. Stutzla, by the way, has as many goals as any Maple Leaf, which is pretty hard to believe. He's wow. having an amazing season. 35 goals now tied with William Nylander. Shout out to Parley Poppy and Nikki Boy. I love when the text line says hi to each other. It makes me really happy. Good morning, everyone. For my anchor pick, I love Harden over six and a half rebounds. He continuously hits that number every time Embiid is more focused on scoring, which he will be. One I love for Juliana. Look at this. Clay over three and a half rebounds. Clay over three and a half rebounds has been solid lately. That's Cody and St. Catharines. Besties. There you go. Uh, this is Neil from Newfoundland who had a two and one Friday at the Indian Wells. Uh, no more Sakari picks, he promises. Uh, but this today, he's going ATP Miami qualifiers. That's a tough name. Gilles Brower wow. to win over Benoit. G-I-J-S. Benoit Perry. That's just Paris in French. Uh, Benoit Pair. Perry. Uh, either one. Uh, Perry a French guy. Has severely dropped off the last few years, but has started, dropped off the last few years. I've never heard of him. But has started to win <laughs> matches why. of late, but against lesser competition on the Challenger Tour. Yeah, I'm not a Challenger Tour guy. Uh, Brower much more consistent and has gone toe-to-toe with top-tier opponents. So Brower, money line minus 155. Okay. Neil, love it. Ian, never thought I would say this, but the time has come. <gasps> Dylan Brooks over 15 and a half points against Dallas's 24th ranked defense against shooting forwards. It has hit three out of the last four. Did you see that video I sent you of Dylan Brooks? Oh, he's the worst. Which he one? Shoved, I saw multiple. He oh, shoved yeah. this ref or this cameraman. So he had another busy weekend. He f- Threw the guy, threw him, and then he got fined. I'm like, just get this guy out of here. Shoved a cameraman, was holding his daughter after a big performance, was beefing with Clay. Like, Ugh. it's Dylan Brooks all the time. Uh, good morning. Today I'm going with the over six and a half Oilers Sharks. That's Steve from Sutton. My guy, Tyler from Peterborough. My wake and rake pick today is Oilers on the money line. Okay. And we've got Corey from Port Hope here. Tonight he likes Brady Kachuk over three and a half shots. Kind of a rock star Saturday night. The Sens play Pittsburgh tonight. It's a massive game for Ottawa when it comes to playoff hopes. Like Kachuk to bring lead the charge, bring his A game. Also, a good WBC play would be Mexico plus two and a half. 
Mexico plus two and a half. All right. They need to score some runs for you, so maybe those <laughs> things are a little correlated. Last one here. There isn't much on the docket with value, so I'm going to give you a three-teamer that pays just over double as a side bet because making money is the only thing that matters. Parley Poppy. Avalanche money line, Oilers money line, Knicks money line. Enjoy the games. I got you, Parley Poppy. I'll play that today. Why not? Okay, so let's pick a anchor submission here. We've got a little bit of love for some oil overs in some hockey games. I'm kind of liking that. Lots of goals being scored lately. There was a 7 nothing first period. Um, was it Nashville? That got... Anyway, there's a lot of yes, high-scoring yes, goals as of late. The, so, uh, I think Kevin Lankinen made one save on five shots. And pretty got brutal. Um, Chicago, Colorado over... Um, there's also love for Sens Pens over a couple, a couple times. Yeah, a couple there. I'm kind of kind of liking that. Um, Sens Pens because there's a narrative that we just talked about about the Penguins not doing well of late and oil, um, Ottawa really needing to score and get some wins here. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, the Pens after a tough weekend will probably p- be pretty fired up. But does that mean a defensive effort? I doubt it. I mean, the strength of both the teams' offense. Um, I love the way the Senators have been playing. Yeah, I could go Senators-Pens over six and a half. I think that's a good play. I think we should do that. Um, let's select that one in and put it in our parlay. So over 224 in Bulls and Sixers. Now the over for Japan and Mexico is moving. Every time I refresh the page, seven and a half, eight and a half, eight and a half, seven and a half. So I have it right now at seven and a half. I'm going to put it in there. But if you get it at eight and a half, best of luck. Or tease it down if you have to. Yes. So it's currently seven and a half, but I just saw it moved eight and a half somewhere else. Okay. And over six and a half. Goals in Sens and Penguins altogether are Wake and Rake is plus 589. That's a good one. A couple other ones I like from the text line is the Sabonis points, assists, rebounds over, mm-hmm. I think is a good one. I'm kind of tempted by that Mexico plus two and a half. But uh, yeah, and of course, Neil from Newfoundland, a lot of good picks in the, in the, uh, Text line today. Monday, everyone's always rejuvenated after the weekend comes out firing for Monday so with the Wake and Rake. They spent a lot of money on beers and they're like, I got to win some back. Did you have your uh, single crispy one? I did. I think we deserved it. My grandmother called me on Friday and she said, have you had your one beer yet? No way. Yeah. She listens. I was like, not yet, Nana. Nana. I'd love to have a crispy one with Nana. It's a good time having a crispy one with Nana. Is she a crispy one or is she more like a peanut? Nah, she likes the gin. Good for her. Yeah, likes the gin. I just, I, gin for me, I had bad experience in college drinking gin and so getting over that. Gin, I cannot handle either. It tastes like... I mean, a gin and tonic, a small... But if it's like, if you're partying with gin, it's dicey. No. You know those things that hang from your rearview mirror, the little Christmas trees? Yeah. That's what gin tastes like. I never Unless thought you're having like good gin. And I'm not having good gin. Oh. I'm having oh, cheap Nan- Nana's gin, having good gin from the New Hampshire liquor outlet <laughs> that was less than $12 for a handle. Bad memories. Um, Blue Jays in action today against the Detroit Tigers. And Gosman's on the mound, so that's a good one. Um, it'll be live at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet, streaming on Sportsnet.ca slash 590, as well as the Sportsnet app. Of course, WBC semifinals in Mexico and Japan at 7 p.m. Um, NCAA comes back Thursday for the men. Women have a full slate of games as well, so there was like one day behind. Um, so take a look at that. You got your Tennessee squad in action for the big Tennessee team now. Uh, I think Maybe they can to... both win. Can you parlay a women and a men victory? I mean, it's, it's going to be tough because there's a there's a team in women's bracket that is minus favorites yeah, to win. That's big time chalk. It's going to be a good week, I think, for Tennessee. I mean, to knock them down, it's going to have to be a big upset. It'll be worth it. Um, no Toronto sports on tonight, so enjoy your alt parlay viewing experience. I plan to. 
and we'll be back Tuesday to tee up Maple Leafs at the Islanders. Raptors get another day off before they are home to play the Pacers. Happy first day of spring, everybody. Shorts, guys, get ready. It's your week to shine. Shorts, guys, unite. It's your week. All right, thanks for listening to the Fan Morning Show. We'll be back tomorrow morning.